Thank you, Michael, and for all who've helped to lead us and guide us to participate in uh, praising God and, and worshiping Him on this beautiful, uh, beautiful day. And now um, we uh, continue in our series uh, of our security uh, that is in uh, Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look particularly at Ephesians chapter 4 and how we find our security in our relationships with one another. You know, that how much easier it is to feel secure when we are surrounded by um, one another. And how easy it is to, to feel insecure when we're alone. I remember uh, several years ago um, that, uh, that Kathy and, and the kids were out, out of town over the weekend. And while they were gone that, that evening, a uh, next-door neighbor's house got broken into and burglarized. And then help with that, came home, you know, went to bed by myself, started hearing every sound amplified. Somebody's breaking into the house. Somebody's broken into the house. Somebody is right there next. And I, in the midst of all of that, I mean, I'm like, I call the police. I'm like, I think somebody's trying to break into my house. And graciously, they, they showed up rather quickly. And no, there was nothing. And yeah, I felt like a fool. Uh, even embarrassed telling you that, uh, that story. But it's when we were alone. We feel so insecure. And sometimes we can feel alone even in the midst of a lot of people. Have you ever gone to, to camp, you know, gone away to camp uh, by yourself? You're the only person you knew and you were surrounded by people, but then initially you felt all alone. Or anyone that's gone away to college and, and you're the only person there. And there's all kinds of people there, but you feel all alone. And that leads to all kinds of insecurity. And so what Paul's going to speak to us today is that, that we need one another um, to, to experience the, that security, to experience that, that unity that we know we have in, in Jesus. Um, Peter tells us in the first part of his letter that we are strangers and aliens in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven, so we're always going to be oddballs. As we follow Jesus instead of the ways of the world. And so that can always lead to feeling alone. That can lead to real insecurity. That's why we need our relationships with one another in, in the body of Christ, in, in the church, in order to experience the security that we have in our unity in Jesus. So it's Ephesians 4 is our uh, passage, and uh, it's on 978 in your pew Bible. It's, I'm not sure what page it might be, on the Bible that you might be looking at at, at home. Um, or uh, you can follow along on the, the, the screen, and we're, we're going to walk through this uh, section um, at a time. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, again, we thank you for your written word. And we ask that your spirit would speak to us of your truth. You, you would continue to open our, our mind to receive your truth, a, a knowledge of you. That you would open our, our hearts and souls to, to believe it uh, in our very depth of our being. And then help to free our hands and feet. Uh, to, to, and mouths to, to speak uh, of your goodness, to, to do your goodness and to go wherever your goodness and your grace calls us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Amen. All right. Um, uh, so uh, it, I'll read the first uh, couple verses of uh, chapter 4, um, starting with verse um, 3. And we're, we're mid-sentence, but you'll, you'll catch uh, what Paul is saying. Be, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So, so Paul here wants to highlight, obviously, he says it over and over again, that we are part of one body. We are filled with one spirit. We have together one Lord. Uh, we have one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. You think he hammers it home enough? That, and he's talking about the, the church in Ephesus. He's talking about the church at College Hill Presbyterian Church. The local expressions of the church. Not some sort of big picture, but each individual congregation that gathers together is to be unified, is to eagerly pursue this unity that we have in God. We are secure in the unity that we have in God. There's nothing that the devil can do. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing that can happen in this world that can diminish our unity in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. We, you and I, are included in this spiritual, eternal unity of the triune God. That's what Jesus has accomplished. One of the things Jesus has accomplished on the cross by clothing us in his righteousness, by in leading us, in engulfing us in the very presence of God. That's the eternal connection, security we have in God. Every other human connection is secondary. Every other one. If there's someone in my family, a sibling or a parent, a blood relation that does not know Jesus, I am more connected to you as a follower of Jesus than I am to my own father or brother, blood brother, if they don't know Jesus. That connection is not eternal. And the same with any other human connection that we might have. Ethnicity or generations... Economic, racial, national background, or political commitments. They're secondary. And when we give those primary importance, that destroys our experience of the security that we have in the unity of Jesus. And it demonstrates, as we'll see as we read through the passage, our immaturity in Christ. For we are secure in our unity in God. Period. Nothing diminishes that. And nothing is greater than that unity that we have in Jesus. Now, uh, our, as, as we read on in the passage, our, our unity, uh, our experience of that unity, as we live into that, that deepens our experience of the security 
that we have in Jesus. Um, if we um, move to verses 11 through 16, uh, we'll, uh, um, Paul here gives us a, a, a metaphor that of the church, of the local church, being the body of Christ. So we are like, and he goes into this, we're, we're like a, a human body. And yet we're the body of Christ. The human body we are to be together is is to look like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to embody the very character of Jesus. But any body, any human body, needs to mature, needs to grow, needs to develop. And the same is true for any expression of the body of Christ and any local expression of the church. So Paul, again, talking to the church in Ephesus, gives that metaphor to them. Uh, we'll, so we'll go to verse 11, and here Paul has said, Now, each one of you has a gift. You know, Christ has given everybody a gift, and all those gifts come together to form one unity to fulfill God's, God's purposes. So we'll start verse 11 as he is starting to describe some of these gifts. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I know that's a, that's a lot of words, sort of wordy, um, and you can spend some time and really uh, try to di- dissect it. But I just want to give you sort of the big picture of what Paul I- is saying here. You know, as he says at the beginning, he calls leaders and pastors, evangelists, church planters, uh, elders. They're, they're called in leadership to equip all of us. So that we are all equipped. So that we are all, and the word equipped here, it's a great word. It's the same word you use for setting a broken bone. Yeah, so it takes work to get there and some pain, but you're putting things in place so that they will grow whole, so that they will, they will be whole and, um, uh, they, they will heal and, and be stronger even than they, they were before. So, um, as we celebrated last Sunday, for those that were here or watched of the, the ordination of Jennifer Cronk, uh, we were reminded of how God calls different people to be in positions of leadership so that they are equipping all the believers for the work of ministry. So that all of us may then do that work. And then he, he outlines for us what that work is. Building up the body of Christ, verse 13, to attain unity of the faith and unity of the knowledge of Jesus. So that we are focusing our attention on following Jesus together. On knowing Him Following him, trusting him, and helping one another do that. In verse 15, he says the famous, famous phrase that many have heard, that, that we are called to speak the truth in love. 
And notice that he's using we here. He's talking about us together. It's not an individualistic thing. It's a corporate thing. As, as that community, we are speaking to one another the truth in love. So we together as CHPC, as College Hill Presbyterian Church, whether you're here, you're at 1030, you're watching online, we are to build one another up to maturity. If, if we're a body, then we're, we're to mature, we're to develop. And that developing, that maturity as the body of Christ means that we now act more and more together like Jesus we embody his character. That's what he, Paul is saying here. He says you're going to reach the stature of the fullness of Christ. It means we're going to act like Jesus as a community. And in verse 16, he says, and when that happens, when all the parts are working together, then we are a community that is characterized by the sacrificial love of Jesus. Now, that, that point of, of the security in the midst of growing in that, that unity is in verse 14. For for he says, as we mature, as we grow, the result of that maturity is, is that we experience the security of our unity in Jesus, even in the storm of lies and deception that may go around us in in the ways of this world or in the work of the evil one. As we mature, we strengthen spiritually in Jesus. It's just like with, with what we find with, with COVID, with the COVID virus, right? I mean, folks that are more susceptible uh, to death by it or have some kind of weakness physically, some kind of compromise in their physical system. And, and the same is true for a church that is not maturing in Jesus, that is not f- growing in unity of the faith and knowledge of Jesus, as Paul calls us to. And, and that there's times uh, that when we don't experience that security of the unity, it's because we're not doing the relational work of speaking the truth in love. We're not uh, encouraging, challenging one another to, to grow in the unity and knowledge of Jesus. We're not building one another up in Jesus. Now, the, the security that we have in Jesus is still there. I mean, God, we are still one baptism, one Lord, one Father, and God of all. That, that has not changed at all. But our experience of that unity can be diminished. And man, 2020 has been a year filled with all kinds of storm. You can even call it a perfect storm. I mean, we're, we're still in, in the, the middle of a, a very divisive election. We're, we're still addressing and dealing with the, the racial divisions in our land. And on top of that, we're, we're in the midst of a virus trying to do what is right and loving and caring. And so we're having to keep distance. We're having to wear things over our face. We're not able to gather together as easily and as, and as much and, and fully. So this is one of those perfect storms where it is necessary for us as a community, to continually focus our attention on the unity of the faith, growing in unity of faith and the knowledge of Jesus. Now, the the last thing that Paul then uh, goes into is he gives us that picture that we're the body, where where we have to be uh, uh, speaking the truth in love and those kind of things. What what does that look like? What are the details about how we do that? Maybe you've been asking that. You might be sorry that you asked that now, because Paul does that. 
He gives us some real details in verses uh, 25 through the end of the chapter. And so let's uh, um, uh, turn there. I want to read, actually I want to reread, or actually I never did read the first two chapters of the, uh, first two verses of the chapter. uh, Because that gives us a real good setting. It reminds us that that's what Paul is doing. He really is calling the church in Ephesus and he's calling us to specific actions to be sure that and, and attitudes that we maintain so that we mature as a group of people in Jesus. And that Jesus is our primary and, and the, our only eternal connection and everything else is secondary. All right. Uh, um, uh, read verse 1 and 2. Uh, I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. In other words, you're unified in Jesus. If you're in Jesus, then you are in God. You are in the triune God. you got one spirit, one father, one Lord. So that's what's real. That's what's true. No matter what you experience or even what you feel, that's your calling. So live into that call. With all humility and gentleness, with patience Bearing with one another in love. One, one word that I just wanted to focus on and capture there. But, but just notice that Paul's saying that this, it's going to take work to, to live into this unity. You know, it's going to take patience. It's going to take gentleness. It's going to take humility. You're going to bear with one another. Really, that word, that word bear with one another can also be translated. You're going to have to put up with one another. But it's the work you do because you know that unity is the eternal unity that we're in. But humility is necessary for us to really speak the truth uh, to one another in love. For us truly to grow, uh, do the relational work of really growing in our unity. Uh, um, in, uh, since because of a, the, the rise of, of conflict, of variety, con- of kind of divisive, there's a number of studies that are going on and trying to explore how we deal with personal conflict in adult relationships. And, and one of the number of studies um, uh, have, have shown that if we view, if I view myself as intellectually or morally superior or more informed than you, that that is toxic to a relationship self. If I am superior, then I have nothing to learn from you. I only have stuff to give. And it sets up a hierarchy in relationships. So humility, especially in times of such forces, are absolutely necessary as to, to guard and, and, and to prepare our heart and soul to being unified in Jesus, even in the midst of such differences. So specifically now, back to 25, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, on the one, there's really sort of two levels as you read this. You put away falsehood, so don't lie. Don't lie, speak the truth. Speak what is true. Alright? So there, that's one word. Now as we go through these, I want you to be in the spirit, be listening. Where might the spirit be poking you or prodding you? As we go through. Don't worry, there's just four. Um, but don't lie. Don't speak falsehood. Speak what is true. I think he's not only saying just be honest all the time, but he's also saying speak the truth 
I mean, as you look through the passage, he speaks about truth a lot. And it's regularly about the teachings of Jesus. The the words of, of the scriptures. Speak the truth to one another. We can talk about a whole lot of things and a lot of things that can be very divisive. And we need to talk about those secondary things. But don't stop talking to one another with words of the truth of Jesus. Reminding us of our unity and the power of Jesus. So one, one of the importances of being able to gather in some way, whether even online or together, and be reminded of the wonderful praise that we give to our wonderful God. So it's not just don't lie, but speak about the truth. The truths that we know of God. Uh, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So in this journey of of working on being unified as the body of Christ, being and uh, forming a community that looks more and more like Jesus, Paul doesn't even say when you get angry. Or if you get angry. He's like, you're going to get angry. Just like he said at the beginning. you got to put up with one another. There's going to be anger that comes up within you. But how do you deal with that? How do you respond to that anger? Does that anger control you? And it can control you in two ways. It can control you in silence. You can have the anger and say nothing. But then it can just boil over within your very soul. Or... That anger can overtake you in what you speak and what you say. The important thing that Paul says here, and this needs to be clear about. Deal with it. Address it. Go, go, go see a counselor to explore. Get with some friends to address that. It needs to be addressed with. Because what does Paul say? If not, if you don't deal with it, it's... It's fertile ground for the devil to cause division. Fertile ground for the devil to to just mess with the body of Christ, being the very expression of Jesus. So don't lie. Speak the truth. Be angry. But don't sin in that anger. Uh, 28. uh, Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Uh, So here, I mean, again, clearly, don't steal and work hard so that you can give to others. Uh, Just a quick pause here. Is that what you expected him to say? At first reading, it's not what I expect. I mean, don't steal. Work hard so that you provide for the needs of your family and for yourself. That's what expected him to say. That's sort of what the, the world says. But that's not the way of Jesus. Jesus, that's not the way of Christian community. No, we don't just work hard to provide for ourselves. That's a good thing. But no, as as followers of Jesus, we work hard not just to provide so we don't steal, but to work for others, others who are in need, so that they don't steal. So that, that they might find the same truth in Jesus and do the same thing in their own lives. It's not... Again, this is another picture of how it's not individualistic. It's not just me and mine, but it is us. It is about community. And this is just the way that Jesus would be. Jesus is one who gives. All right, then the last one, verses 29 through 32. 
And it's a rather lengthy one with with a a little more detail to it. But as you can see, each one of these have been do not do this and do this. This one, verse uh, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So the big headlines there is no corrupting talk, but only talk that builds up, only talk that gives grace to others. And and then I think that the next um, passage sort of gives a little more detail to what corrupting talk is and what building up talk is. Corrupting talk is that which grieves the Holy Spirit. Again, this, this further makes the point of the spiritual reality that you and I, as followers of Jesus at College Hill Presbyterian Church, we are in the Holy Spirit together. We are unified in Him. That's where we are. Un- that is a spiritual, eternal reality. And when we treat each other with corrupting talk instead of building up talk, that makes God sad. This is the word grieving here. It grieves the spirit. It is a sad word. Because that spiritual eternal reality is greater than any other human connection that we have. That corrupting talk is bitterness. Now, bitterness are negative thoughts that you harbor towards others. That you keep alive within you. It's like when you eat a piece of fruit that's not right. Man, you just can't get that taste out of your mouth, you know? I mean, it just, just spit it, it just stays with you much longer than the sweet taste does. At least it seems that way. The, the bitterness are those negative thoughts that, that we harbor, that we feed within us about other people in the body of Christ. Wrath. Or ways that you really you want other people to get hurt. You just, you, really, what wrath is, is you look at other people who are broken, who are sinners, and you may be dead right. What they did was wrong. But what you want is you want them to get what they deserve. That's, that's what you want. And there's even a righteousness in that sin, right? That feeds it. That, that, and, and, that, that destroys the unity of Jesus. Bitterness, wrath, anger, which we've, we've mentioned already. Clamor. That's really shouting at one another. Just getting a shouting argument with, with one another. When that happens, you, you know, that ought to be a red flag. Oops, uh, gone too far. Hold back here. What's, what's, what caused this? And then slander. That's to speak about or to others in ways that denigrate them, belittles them, dehumanizes them, calling them names, laughing at them in order to disrespect them. 
That's, that's slander. And then finally, malice, which is really the word for evil. And I think what, in, in this context, what Paul is getting at is, see, really any disposition or attitude where you, someone has caused you pain and you want to cause them pain in return. You know, where Jesus said, don't return, or Paul said in, in Romans, says the same thing. He says, don't return evil to, with evil. And I think that's what he's getting at here. When someone has treated you with evil. So it's not that you're, that people are uh, treating you nicely. They're treating you evil. You have reason. But don't cause them pain because they've caused you pain. And, and as he Mentions later, which we'll look at as well, because that's not the way Jesus does it. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, the Spirit doesn't in turn want to make us sad. He wants to draw us to Jesus. When we grieve Jesus, He goes to the cross. That's that's what the, the body of Christ then is to live into that reality. Right, then what's good? Then how do we how do we build up one another? What are words that we do? How are attitudes that we develop in order to build up one another? To to give words of grace. It says to be kind. Your words and actions are clothed with gentleness, even in conflict and disagreement. Again, you know he's very real. There is in in the midst of anger that's going to be present, in the midst of evil that's going to be done done to you. How do you act? Respond to that, not just take it, but respond to it, but respond to it with kindness and truth, speaking the truth in love, not wanting to get them to deserve, get what they deserve or not wanting what you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Tender hearted, he says, again, in, in your heart, you form in your heart a desire to do what is good, a desire to care for and love and do what is good for the other person, filled with grace and love, not with anger nor fear. A heart filled with anger or fear it can't be tender-hearted. But a heart filled with faith. And then, then finally, it says forgive. Forgive one another just as God in Christ forgave you. You know, one of the reasons that God set up the church is for us to be in relationships that challenge us. I mean, if we're in a church with a, a group of people that looks like we do, that likes what we like, that voted the same way we did, that likes the same music altogether, that likes the same way that we do things, then who needs Jesus? Now, that's called a fraternity or a sorority. You know, where you vote people in according to how you like them so that it all works the same. And even that falls apart, but that's a whole other sermon. No, Jesus puts us in places where we are in relationships with folks that are different than us. And we have to work at speaking the truth in love so that we might mature. Anybody that's married can relate to that statement. <laughs> uh, that we are in close relationships in order to challenge one another. To help us grow. T- 
to force us to depend upon God's power at work in us. Because it's not by our power. I can't change my heart. You can't change your heart. But as we give it to God, as we start to practice what he's saying here, put away the corrupting talk, put on talk that builds up, then it forces us to rely on him, to participate in the power of the Holy Spirit, to change us, to transform us individually and even as a church so that we are more and more like Jesus. And again, the result is that, that we look more and more like Jesus. That The result is that, that we um, are demonstrate as a community the character of Jesus. Again, just to review, clear ways of living this out. Don't lie. Speak the truth. Watch your mouth. Be angry, but don't sin. Watch watch your heart. Don't steal, but work hard in order to give to others. Watch your hands. And then watch every word you say to or about one another. Refuse to say corrupting words. Speak words that lead to grace for one another. Now, a couple suggestions, just um, resources that you can um, look at. If you're in the midst of some kind of conflict that you need to to deal with others or or forgiveness, um, one, uh, encourage you to look at, uh, um, uh, to go online, look at peacepursuit.org. We have um, uh, missionaries from the church, Laura and John Schindeldeck, who've been serving around the world to help bring peace, reconciliation among missionaries. Not among non-Christians, among missionaries and Christian leaders all around the world. Great um, resources there at peacepursuit.org. Or Equipping Ministries International Church, or a ministry that was birthed out of this particular church. Uh, uh, You can uh, um, uh, go equippingministries.org. Look particularly, and we we teach regularly. Um, We got it on on the screen. Um. That uh, we speak, we, we teach regularly speaking the truth in love and listening for heaven's sakes. Great um, classes and opportunities to help grow in, in, in unity and knowledge of Jesus. Um, and then the last one is evworthingtons-forgiveness.com. Uh, great, again, great resources on, on forgiveness and, and engaging with one another. Um, so, I told you, you wanted the details, and you, you got them. And Paul lays them out here for us. But our unity in Jesus is secure. In God, it is a spiritual, eternal reality that cannot be diminished. And we experience the security of that as we grow as a community at College Hill Presbyterian Church in the unity and knowledge of Jesus. Man, may may we continue to grow in that maturity even more. We need it. Our world needs it. I mean, what what a difference it makes in our lives as as we do that hard work of speaking the truth to one another uh, in love. And what impact it could have on the world around us. Uh, I have no idea how everything will unfold in the next weeks and months. But I do know our nation will need examples of people who can come together even in the midst of their their differences, to pursue what is good and what is right. And we're prime, set up to be that kind of community. But it takes work, the work of ministry, from you and me with one another, to watch our mouth, to watch our heart, to watch our hands. 
But what kind of difference could that make in our world? Would it not be absolutely mind-blowing? But a powerful witness to those outside the church to say, no, we're committed to Jesus so much, we might disagree about these things. But upon Jesus, who's the most important, the Lord of our life, that's who we agree about, filled with grace and love. Be life-changing for you and for me, for our city, for our nation. Amen.